Happy holidays, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. Use my code on SeatGeek Bucket Center for $20 off your first purchase today. We're going to be talking about all the Christmas Day games. We'll be breaking down game by game, my thoughts, what I saw. And we're going to start off with the Boston Celtics at the Toronto Raptors. And that was a game in which Jalen Brown played like an absolute all-star. Last night, he dropped 30 points on 10 of 13 shooting. He shot 5 of 7 from three-point range. And on the season, he's averaging 20 points a game on 51 field goal percentage, 39% from three, and a 58.5 effective field goal percentage. The efficiency and the range from Jalen Brown has really been something I didn't expect at this point in time. Really an athletic dude that got to the rim, a high-flying dunker that it's turned into a perimeter threat and all-around three-level score, which is really nice to see for the Boston Celtics. He's really playing at an all-star level, and it's really just proving that he's trying to live up to this big contract that the Boston Celtics gave him, the faith that he would take this next jump, and he's really doing that so far this season. So a lot of props to Jalen Brown. I wasn't really a believer of the contract. I thought the Celtics overpaid. I didn't know how that dynamic was going to work on the wing with Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum all kind of having the same position and playing the same role, and I'm still kind of skeptical on that, but we'll see how that turns out. But so far, man, Jalen Brown is really playing like an all-star, not just the role player that he was when he signed that contract. Uh, And also Kemba Walker, okay? Kemba Walker was their big prize in free agency to replace Kyrie Irving, this point guard, really a combo guard in a lot of ways. He's the go-to scorer. He's the number one option. He's the closer. And he's really thrived in the system so far. He's comfortable, comfortable, excuse me, playing some off ball. And he really needs less dribbles than Kyrie to get to his spots. Uh, Kyrie's a better ball handler. Kyrie's a better finisher. Kyrie's a better scorer. Kyrie's just a better basketball player. But Kemba Walker is doing a great job of fitting in with this team and really approximating a lot of the production that Kyrie brought to the table while also clicking with his teammates, being a personality in the locker room that's bringing positive energy to that group. They just get along better. The chemistry is better so far this season. Are they actually a better team with Kemba Walker and the Jalen Brown uh, taking the next step and guys like Tatum? I don't think they're a better team. They obviously lost Al Horford. They lost Aaron Baines. Terry Rozier was a good addition by subtraction. I just don't think he fit with that team whatsoever. They lost Marcus Morris. At the end of the day, this is a completely different team. It's not just like you plugged in Kemba and you took out Kyrie. It's a completely different team. I like some of the rookies that they have on that roster. But at the end of the day, it's a second-round team, most likely. It's pretty much the same result as you had last year. Regardless of what seeds you get, you're judged at the end of the day by the postseason. If the Boston Celtics go out in the second round of the playoffs, you can't say they were better with Kyrie Irving uh, or better with Kemba Walker. They were just the same. It was the same. It was cool in the regular season, but it died down. We got back to reality in the playoffs. And going to the second round isn't really a disappointment when we look at the Bucks and the Sixers, which you're going to talk about in this next segment because those are the top two dogs in the Eastern Conference. But it really just means they're not able to take that next step and be a clear-cut better team without Kyrie Irving. It's hard to be a better team when you're losing talent, when you're losing value. Uh, and you're losing a superstar. Kemba Walker's not quite a superstar, a very good player, having a very, very good season, but he's not a superstar. Uh, the Raptors side of things, it was really just they were super banged up. This was their first Christmas game uh, at home. They hosted the Christmas game for the first time 
in their franchise history, which is great coming off a championship, but they were just so banged up. They had no Pascal Siakam, no Marcus Gasol, no Norman Powell, so it was kind of a, a romping down the stretch. Uh, they made it interesting for Van Fleet, hit some big-time shots. Kyle Lowry was all right in this game, and he's been really good for them playing at an all-star level yet again. Uh, but they really need to get healthy if they really want to go anywhere in this Eastern Conference, which is a competitive Eastern Conference. Again, like I said, we got the two top dogs, but everyone else, teams like Indiana, teams like Boston, Toronto, Miami, they're all fighting for that Tier 2 in the East. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll get to Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers as the Sixers made a big statement win, a big statement uh, to the rest of the league. They were a sixth seed coming into this game. Okay, and Joel Embiid absolutely dominated Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's been by far the leader for the MVP race. He's been the best basketball player uh, in the league so far this season, uh, during this regular season. And Embiid put up 31 points on 11 of 20 from the field, 3 of 6 from three-point range. And the Sixers, with Embiid being the primary defender on Giannis Antetokounmpo, they held him to just 8 of 27, shooting an 0 of 7 from three-point range. He went super hot against the Lakers, and he's been showing progression uh, Progression, excuse me, with his three-point shot, getting better and better uh, every single year and as the season goes on. But tonight, an 0-for-7 showing the Bucks as a team were ice cold from behind the arc, and the Sixers were red hot. You had guys like Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Cork uh, Maz, even throwing Mike Scott. They were all just draining threes. Joel Embiid, like I said, 3-of-6 from three-point range. They were ice or red hot, excuse me. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks were ice cold, and that was just a recipe for disaster for the Bucks. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo got poked in the eye down the stretch of the game. No foul was called. A technical was actually called after that on Giannis Antetokounmpo because he didn't get the foul call, but that forced him to miss basically the rest of the game. The Bucks went on a late run with Chris Middleton catching some fire, but at the end it was just too much uh, by the Philadelphia 76ers, by Joel Embiid in particular. A great showing for them. I don't think this is just a foreshadow of what's going to happen in the playoffs. Obviously, the Sixers aren't going to shoot that red hot for the entirety of a seven-game series, and obviously the Bucks aren't going to shoot that cold for the entirety of a seven-game series. But a lot of the scheming and a lot of the X's and O's, things that they were doing with Giannis Antetokounmpo, trying to take him off his spots, forcing him into decisions. It looked a lot like what happened in that Raptors series last year. At least Giannis seemed a little bit more comfortable with taking the three and taking what the defense was giving him, but he was just missing. It just wasn't looking very good uh, for him. Um, I expect Giannis to adjust, though. I do, uh, especially because this is a regular season game. He's not in the heat of a playoff series. Um, he has some time to adjust. He's got a whole season to figure out how to deal with stuff like that. Um, but like I said, it's a two-team race in the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia 76ers, no matter their seed, same with the Bucks. Those are the two best teams in the league. They're going to meet in the playoffs. I still give the edge to the Milwaukee Bucks because they have the best player by far, in my opinion, and they have the depth. They have the perimeter shooting. They have the coaching. I think they'll get it done. But the Sixers starting five talent, they have the upside. Like I said in one of my earlier first podcasts, they have the highest ceiling in the Eastern Conference, if everything's clicking with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid's playing like a dominant force like he was yesterday. Uh, Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson are playing complementary scoring roles, and they can defend. Uh, this team's going to be really scary. Even throw Al Horford into a mix. Another body you can throw on Giannis. He can make perimeter shots. He can affect the game in a lot of different ways, and he elevates his level of play in the playoffs too. So the Sixers are really, really scary 
Um, but but again, I think the Bucks are still probably the best team in the conference. Um, but we'll see. We'll see as time goes on. That was a great showing from both of those teams. Rockets and Warriors was really a shocker as the Golden State Warriors at home extend their winning streak to three games. They have now owned the Rockets for years, and nothing changed yesterday besides the players wearing the jerseys. No Steph Curry, no Klay Thompson, no Kevin Durant. The Rockets fans want to talk about, oh, we would have beat the Warriors if we had CP3 healthy in the playoffs, whatever, yada, yada, yada. The Warriors said, we don't need Steph. We don't need Klay. <laughs> we don't need Kevin Durant. We have Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell, we have Damian Lee and Kai Bowman. <laughs> like, come on, man. The Warriors put on the show on Christmas Day. Steve Kerr has figured out James Harden and been able to limit his effectiveness on the game. We've seen it for years. Uh, despite his individual numbers, he's getting trapped. He's getting double teamed, uh, forcing him out. Uh, he was pouting at the half-court line for several possessions in that game, just standing there, doing absolutely nothing to help his team. They were playing four-on-five in the half-court offense. That's just not what you want to see from your superstar. He's got to be a little bit more aggressive. They also have figured out Russell Westbrook, who despite getting his points like he always does, getting his stats, three points, he shot it on 11 of 32 shooting. Westbrook taking 32 shots and Harden taking 18 is a problem. I think it needs to be a 60-40 split when we talk about James Harden running the show versus Russell Westbrook running the show. But, man, you taking 32 shots as Russell Westbrook and some of those coming from the perimeter when you cannot shoot the ball at any sort of consistent rate from behind the yard. James Harden is the best scorer in the league right now. He's got to be a little bit more involved. He was efficient. He, he, he had a solid game. Okay, I'm not saying he was terrible. But this is the Golden State Warriors now, okay? This is this is not the juggernaut team. They'll be back next year. These are the these are the young guys playing for contracts that are are kind of the uh, the G League roster, so to speak, just trying to make a name for themselves. Damian Lee, fifteen rebounds, making a name for himself. Okay, uh, this this is not the team that you're used to seeing the juggernaut squad. But they did it, and they took care of business against the Houston Rockets. That's a bad loss on national television for the Houston Rockets, who otherwise have had a really, really good start to the season. Russell Westbrook and James Harden have both had their moments. They've had some big wins on their schedule. So we're not going to bash on Houston too much, but definitely some cause for concern how that game went. And really a blueprint that other teams should take note of is uh, see what Steve Kerr is doing and scheme from a scheming perspective against James Harden and try to implement that if they want a chance to beat the Houston Rockets as well. You obviously want Russell Westbrook forcing up a lot of shots as opposed to James Harden. Uh, we'll talk about the Clippers and the Rockets. Clippers at Lakers technically it was a home game at Staples Center for the Los Angeles Lakers. And this game was crazy, man. Paul George pulled a playoff P in another big moment, 17 points on 5-for-18 shooting. Lou Williams was a non-factor, as a scorer at least, with six points on one of six shooting. Kyle Kuzma had his best game of the season coming off the bench, 25 points on 8-of-17 shooting, yet the Clippers still won the basketball game down the stretch. The Lakers had a big lead, several points of the game. The Clippers fought back. They took it. Uh, thanks to their elite perimeter defense and a whole lot of Kawhi Leonard. Okay, Kawhi Leonard dominated LeBron James for the second time this season. 35 points, 11 of 18 shooting, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. He was great 
all across the board. Defensively, he made it hard on LeBron James. He really made him uh, really shoot terribly. We talk about 23 points on 9 of 27 shooting, 2 of 12 from the three-point line, okay? He took 12 threes and only made two of them, okay? And that's a lot to do with good defense and also to do with his shot was not falling on this particular night, okay? He did have nine rebounds and 10 assists. He can affect the game a lot of other ways, but LeBron was just missing really good looks, and Kawhi Leonard was doing a great job on him. And it wasn't just Kawhi Leonard. The Los Angeles Clippers, they have the best defender at three different positions on the basketball court on the perimeter. When you talk about Patrick Beverly, who's the best point guard defender, Paul George is the best shooting guard defender, and Kawhi Leonard is the best small forward defender in the NBA. And they could all switch, and they all did switch, and they all did guard a lot of LeBron James, okay? And when you have, they talk about pick and roll, switching, and just different actions that the Clippers can possess. Uh, really, you're trying to create matchups when you're doing pick and rolls and things like that. But the way the Clippers can switch, how versatile they are on the perimeter, it's going to make LeBron James have a lot of nights where he's not going to be able to shoot very efficiently. Uh, from the field but he also showed that he's not in his athletic prime and as much as LeBron is a great basketball talent as much as he's arguably the best basketball player on the planet he is in year 17 of his career and he's not in his athletic peak form okay this is not the athlete that we saw in Miami this is not even the athlete we saw early on in Cleveland I mean he's still he still has some bounce okay he's still more athletic and he even showed last night he's dealing with the re-aggravated groin injury, which gave me flashbacks to last season. Hopefully he's healthy soon. Uh, but he could definitely use some more rest, a uh, lot less wear and tear on that body because he just had so much of it. Take a couple games off. Make sure you're fully healthy. We need to see you at your peak form when the money's on the table the most. The Lakers rely on this man so much for everything that they do, Okay. Um, and they can't like they can't afford to load manage him in the same way that Kawhi gets load managed. I know you guys complain about the load management, but Kawhi's load management works. He gets up for the games against the big time teams like the Lakers when he needs to. This is the Kawhi we're gonna see in the playoffs. But LeBron can't afford to do that because he is the quarterback. He's the bucket generator of the entire offense. He is the offense in a lot of respects because he's responsible for creating not only for himself but for others as well. He's responsible for feeding Anthony Davis the basketball a lot of times. AD is not a guy that you want consistently bringing the ball up the court and creating his own shot that way. You're dumping it down to him on the block. You're throwing him lobs. You have to have a playmaker to get Anthony Davis the basketball. And that's what LeBron James is. He brings the ball up the floor on most possessions of the game. And he also kicks to open shooters. A lot of these guys, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, these guys are not creating their own shot. And even Kuzma, I mean, Kuzma can put it on the deck every now and then. He was super hot uh, early in that first quarter. But even Kuzma's at his best when he's getting spot-up looks, when he's getting someone to create the look for him, when he's cutting to the rim. LeBron doesn't really have another guy on this roster that can create his own shot on a consistent basis. And Kyle Kuzma and Anthony Davis are the closest things to that. The Lakers do need another go-to bucket getter off the bench that can create his own shot, that can also handle the ball and really make it the load a little bit less for LeBron James. He can carry a lot of that load. And you're seeing throughout the league, 
there's a lot of quote unquote systems like that. When you talk about James Harden as a bucket generator, when you talk about Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo, they are the offensive offenses, excuse me, of their respective teams. Um, but you also have to have that guy that can create his own bucket uh, off the bounce, and and that was a problem that the Los Angeles Lakers really have. Um, but yeah, Clippers, they, they did what they, they do, man. The elite perimeter defense and just Kawhi Leonard being Kawhi Leonard when he needs to the most. I would be a little bit concerned for them about playoff P and the fact that Paul George said that this was the biggest game of his career in the post-game interview and he played the way he played. Uh, I get the, the Clippers-Lakers thing, but man, it's a regular season game. I know it's Christmas Day and it did matter. It did send a message to the Lakers that they're not they're not going to be able to beat this team as currently constructed four out of seven times. They need to make some tweaks to the roster, and they just need to play better at the end of the day because it was really a even when they were up big, I was I was saying man, it was just it was not looking good. Uh, there was a lot of holes that even if we were able to escape with that win yesterday, it just wasn't going to work in the best out of seven series. Clippers didn't even play at their best, and they still were able to pull through. Uh, down the stretch of that game. So props to them. Uh, and, and everyone talks about, oh, the Clippers have no answer for Anthony Davis, but the Lakers, they really just have no answer for Kawhi Leonard defensively. They need a wing player that can guard. They need a, a defender uh, coming off the bench as well. LeBron James, again, he can't, he can't have to guard Kawhi Leonard for the entire game while being the distributor and primary playmaker, while being one of the top scorers that needs to get 26 to 30 points on a given night, like asking all of that in year 17 from LeBron James is a lot. He can handle the playmaking. He can handle being the second scoring option or at times even the first scoring option. And he can handle playing defense in the clutch down the stretch when he needs you need a stop or two down the stretch of a big-time playoff game. But he can't be asked to guard Kawhi for 30-plus minutes while being the playmaker all the game, while being like maybe prime LeBron, like 2013 LeBron, 2016 LeBron, better chance of doing that. But in year 17, that's just a lot to ask for this man who's having these injuries now that we did not see. We didn't see LeBron James missing games with groin injuries early on in his career. And I just hope and pray that the wear and tear on his body doesn't get greater. I just hope and pray that he can stay healthy and he can avoid it. He can hold off father time for just a little bit longer. Um, but speaking on that topic for a second, y'all talking about washed King. Y'all talking about LaBum. Kobe stands talking about, oh, man, Kobe would never. Kobe would have won this game. We we miss Kobe Bryant. Keep that same energy, okay? Keep that same energy. Talking about LeBron creates his own false narratives, blah, blah, blah. Check the Twitter timeline yesterday. I've got the I've got the receipts, guys. We we can't every time LeBron has a bad game, you, you guys are praying on this man's downfall. You can't you can't be doing that and then saying he creates his own narratives and saying, oh, no one said he's washed. No one says he's trash, blah, blah, blah. Yes, you guys know who you are. Okay, LeBron's got to be better. and He's not using the injury as an excuse. The call down the stretch on Beverly, that was off of LeBron. It's fine. That didn't, that didn't really – that wasn't the reason the Lakers lost, that call down the stretch. Lou Williams called as well in the fast break. That wasn't really a foul. You can point to a couple tic-tac things. That went the Clippers' way, but the Lakers just got outplayed, and they got to be better. 
Uh, and the last game was the Pelicans at Nuggets. Brandon Ingram, man, much improved three-point shooting. A lot more confidence with his role as a lead dog in New Orleans. Less pressure as well, being on a team that's not really expected to do too much this season. 31 points. He shot 7 of 9 from three-point range. He's playing at an all-star caliber level this season. Lonzo has been very impressive in the second half yesterday, hitting timely shots, making big plays. But otherwise, it's been an extremely underwhelming season for the dude that I picked to win the most improved. He has not improved very much. Uh, in fact, maybe he's regressed a little bit, to be completely honest with you. I really want to see this team when, when Zion's back on the court, though, because I think that's the perfect basketball fit with Lonzo Ball. I just don't think... The rest of the roster is as good of a fit with him. I mean, Ingram is a solid fit uh, as a guy that he can feed to get buckets, but uh, Ingram does a lot of his stuff in isolation Excuse me, as well. Uh, but they need to get Zion back. That's his law partner. That's his pick-and-roll partner if Lonzo can work on developing that pick-and-roll game. Uh, the jumper still, I mean, he's, he's hitting more shots, I guess, but the efficiency is still a little bit of a cause for concern. I feel like he still takes too many threes. He's got to mix it up a little bit more. But the young core is very scary when Zion gets back. This is going to be a really good team in the future. Uh, and they could still be a contending team right now, depending on what they want to do with Drew Holiday in terms of contending for a playoff spot, that is. Uh, I know they really have a lot of ground to make up, but if Zion can get back on the court, they can chip at it because a lot of these lower playoff teams are sub-500. Um, but but honestly, if I'm the Pelicans, I'd probably look to trade Drew Holiday, get some assets, some young players in return, and just completely commit to this young talent uh, and, and this young core kind of retooling here in New Orleans. Uh, and the Nuggets, not much to say about them. They lose their seven-game streak. They're catching a groove. But Yoga just needs to be more consistent uh, and aggressive. On, on Like I said, he, he struggled really early on in the season. He's picking it up as of late. Denver also needs Michael Porter Jr. to get consistent minutes to be able to help provide them around 13 to 15 points off the bench, be another shock creator for them, be a guy that they can count for some buckets. Uh, he's a really versatile player. Uh, he's got some size on him. If he can really get in the groove, if he can get his shot right and just really contribute for them, that's going to be another layer to add on to this Nuggets team. that will make them even scarier come playoff time. They're still one of the top teams in the Western Conference um in, in the regular season at least but in order for them to get to that next level those are some of the things they're going to need to have happen especially with Jokic who's been a little bit underwhelming as a guy that a lot of people myself included said he could maybe be in that MVP conversation depending on what his numbers are looking like because Denver's going to win a lot of basketball games that's going to do it for this episode thank you guys so much for tuning in I really enjoyed my Christmas despite my Lakers and LeBron catching an L it's all good uh had a great Christmas enjoyed watching these games Definitely looking forward to see what happens with the rest of the NBA season because really Christmas Day is when the NBA season really gets going. The beginning of the stuff was cool and everything. We, we kind of saw a little bit for some teams, but now it's Christmas Day. The rest of the season from here on out, every game really, really matters. I'm looking forward to that. I'm out. Peace.